There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is our Friday edition of the podcast, the last one this week. Lord, we'll be back on here Monday, if the Lord wills. And so we are closing out the meeting tonight, Lord Willem, here at the Bethel Anabaptist Tabernacle in Linden, Vermont. And then on Sunday, we'll move down to Warwick, Rhode Island. Looking forward to the meeting there, what the Lord is going to do. And then we should be heading back home on Monday. And so I believe we'll probably have one or two more podcasts that we're recording here in Vermont. And then by the middle of next week, we should be back home again. And then we have a couple special guests, uh, probably around the time of the Youth Week in New York. Uh, it might be the week after. I haven't decided. It depends on how much we can record at the house. But I already have a couple recordings of folks that have given testimony and also just those that have got a message from the Lord. And so uh, we're going to take about a week off and just to use some others for the podcast. We rejoice in that. We thank the Lord uh, for those that are willing to do that. We're back in Job chapter 31 today. And again, we're looking at this being Job, but I believe Job is speaking here. And uh, Job is just lamenting some things and speaking of his life, but he's also becoming self-righteous. We see that in some of the accusation that Elihu makes of him, that it's true. But one of the things I want to look at today, and it's just a very simple message, and we've gotten out of the perversion, and some of you might be relieved by that. But I want to get into this matter of giving, giving of yourself, giving of your money, giving of your abilities, all of those things. Because that's what Job speaks of, and beginning in verse 16. He says, if I have withheld the poor from their desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail. Now, he's going to make a long sentence here. He's going to continue down. And I'm going to just read the entire sentence down to verse 23. Where I've eaten my morsel myself alone and the fatherless hath not eaten thereof. For from my youth, he was brought up with me as with a father and as I guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw help in my gate, then let my arm fall from my shoulder blade, and mine arm be broken from the bone, for destruction from God was a terror to me, and by reason of his highness I could not endure. So there's a passage that we look at this, and we see Job is beginning to get some understanding, and give some understanding concerning the things he has done, and what he speaks of is not wrong. And he speaks of this world's good. We see that when he speaks of a want of clothing, poor without covering. Uh, he speaks of warm with the fleece of his sheep. Those are the world's good. And the world will give you good. And it's not wrong to have good. It's not wrong to have those things. It's not wrong to have uh, much. What it is wrong to do, though, is just to keep it and lay up store for yourself. And when you see your brother have need, not offer it to him, not clothe him. And it is the proverbial uh, scripture that speaks of being clothed, be fed, and uh, yet not raising one finger to help those in need. 
And so that's what I want to do with on the podcast today, on this Friday edition of the podcast, is helping those that are in need. And I believe everybody wrestles, and maybe not everyone, maybe not some people don't even interact with a lot of people, but I think everyone wrestles with that guy in the street corner that holds that sign. Some have hardened themselves against him. They're done wrestling. Others still have compassion towards them. But the man is holding the sign that says, you know, I need food. I'm hungry. I'm a veteran. You know, he has his dog there and sometimes a family there. And uh, Down south, you see more uh, folks of other races and, and countries. When up north here, we see them and we see them usually with the long shaggy beard and the camouflage coat and hungry veteran. And, you know, your heart goes out to them at the same time. What's going to help them? And what he says here is this world's good. He doesn't say the finances, doesn't say the, the money, doesn't say to give them gold. But what he does say to give them and to offer them is this world's good, if that's indeed what you have. Now, you give them of your clothing. You give them of your, of your, of your food. You give them of the things you have. So, you know, that man on the street corner, each and every one of us must wrestle through those things and, and deal with that man according to Scripture. Not according to our ideals or our thinking, but according to Scripture. And uh, what is a bottle of water and a, and a burger? I mean, what is a, uh, a small you know, granola bar on the way through? What is, I mean, that, that's nothing to us today. It's just a minor thing today. And we travel with uh, that kind of stuff in our car because we are a snacking family. And, uh, and we love to snack. And so we always have those things. And many times, especially if we see a family, and I don't know how needy they are, but I'm not going to give them drug money and booze money. But at the same time... I have taken people down to the gas station. A man knocked on the door of our church one time, and I was in there with my wife, and he asked for gas, and, and kind of a funny story, but, and, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm out of gas. I'm trying to get somewhere, and, and I always just pin those people down. I like to catch them in their lie and then watch them squirm, and they'll still help them anyway, and that's, you say, that's carnal. Well, may the Lord help me then, and I'd make him squirm, and I'd say, well, you know, where are you going? And he'd tell me, well, that's, that's not that far away. How much gas do you need? Well, I was hoping for a full tank because I got to do this. Thing. Well, I'll tell you, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll get you, I'll get you enough to get you where you're going, get you back again. And I said, you know, if you get low and I'm still here at the church, let's stop by. We can go get you a couple more dollars. Let's, let's go up here to the sheet store. So we drove up to the sheet store and uh, we get up there and, and he's told me he's out of gas. He's told me, and I, and I begin to pump and $10 and it clicks off. And uh, I said, well, buddy, I said, uh, seems to me like you got a fair amount of gas in there. He goes, well, I, uh, I, I, my gas gauge is broken. And I looked in and I said, well, it says full now. And uh, and again, just, you know, I'm not saying it's polite, kind, or, or anything else. It's just how I am. And I just began to question him about his gas gauge, asked me if he wanted to think. I knew a mechanic nearby would go get his gas gauge fixed. And I just made it as awkward and uncomfortable as I could. And, and yet, you know, you see somebody that's fleecing people, someone that's a liar. And yet, we got him gas. We did the right thing to do, but he's never going to come ask for gas again. And the sad thing is he might come for asking gas when he needs it and he's not going to get it because he's a fool and he's a liar and he's a thief. I had a man in Florida one time and I was on the phone with a, uh, with a, a preacher friend of mine and a man came over and he asked me for money and I told him, I said, well, I'll tell you what, let's go in here. I said, I'll put some money in the gas tank. And so I went in and gave the lady, I think it was $5 and said, ma'am, he said he needs to get home. It's right up the street here. She rolls her eyes and, and I said, I'm going to put $5 in that pump. But I said, that's my money. That's not his. I said, that money can only be refunded to me. And she understood what I said. She said, okay. And um, I see him just in the pitch in a fit. I mean, he's waving his hands, yelling at her, pounding on the counter. And I went in there and just said, hey, buddy, what's the problem here? And he said, well, this lady won't give me my money back. <laughs> I said, uh, I bought you the gas, pal. And it's just a couple of little stories, a little levity on this uh, Friday. And, uh, and, and yet that's what we deal with. We deal with it every day. But what he's speaking of here is he's speaking, he says it very clearly, he speaks of the fatherless and the widowed here. 
and the fathers have not eaten. Why? The eyes of the widow fail. And so who are we to help? Well, we know for sure that pure religion demands we help the fatherless and the widow. Those guys on the street, most of them could fend for themselves. They could go get a job somewhere if they had to. Uh, some of them, you know, because of mental illness and things, they don't have the ability to do this. Homeless shelters, there's places around. When my sister was working at retail many years ago, they would watch the guys at the major intersection by the shopping mall and they'd be out there collecting money all day, especially at Christmas. And then she'd watch them go to the Motel 6 where they lived. And they had enough money to spend the $42 every night at the Motel 6. And she'd see them walk across the street to Roy Rogers to get their meals. And, and yet they were living in a motel. And, and so, again, you see the scams, the liars, the frauds. Every one of us must do what our conscience lets us do with God and what God permits us to do. Because there are those that are in need. There are those that absolutely desperately have great needs. And so, therefore, we must consider this, but always consider the fatherless and the widowed. And that's what Job is speaking of in this. And he's telling us here that he's, you know, he's eaten the morsel alone. The fatherless have not eaten thereof. Uh, for, for my youth, he was brought up with me as with a father, and I've guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any parish uh, for want of clothing or any poor without covering, what a tragedy. You see these uh, ratty little street urchin children, and uh, that's not an insult, just what they are. And you see them in their rags and their clothes in third world countries. And you see uh, street children in America, and they got Tommy Hilfiger and Gucci, and they're wearing all the thrift store clothes and, and all the high brands, and they got Nike sneakers. And why? Because on the streets today, you can go sell dope. You can just go find somebody at 12 years old. You have a job selling drugs. And, you know, they, they give them enough money that they can buy all the fashions. They all have iPhones and big blingy bracelets. And those who live out in the trailers, out in the woods, in poverty, and I mean trailers as in horse trailers, and they live out there uninsulated campers, and, and uh, their children are just just ragamuffins. They're just filthy and wretched. I went to school with people like that. And, and I remember others making fun of them, but I myself, we lived in poverty. And my mother did her best to keep us clean and to keep us clothed, but we lived in abject poverty as a boy. And I remember those times that we didn't have money for anything but chicken legs and rice. And we loved fried chicken. My mom would fry chicken legs and have rice and gravy. Uh, we didn't have money for anything else. And yet there were people that were so good to us when I was a boy, so kind to us. And the Mennonites would help us and drop off 100 years of corn and drop off two bushels of beans and drop off bushels of peas and drop off beef. And they were just so helpful to the McVeigh family because they saw the need. And God forbid I see that need and refuse to help. God forbid I leave a child unclothed. God forbid I see somebody living in that poverty and not do one thing to help them. And Job is speaking to that. He's telling what he did. He said, he had not warmed the fleece of my sheep. And if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless, when I saw my help in the gate. And he was in a position to make decisions. He was in a position to rule. He was in a position, he probably could have cast judgment on a man. And the fatherless that he speaks of here, most likely were children. The fathers have died. Some of them were bastard children, no doubt. Uh, we have are plagued with that in America today, but the welfare system takes good care of them. But their mothers are neglectful. Their mothers oftentimes are just horrible creatures. They're vile women. They hate their children. They despise their children. And therefore, they just leave them in a state of despair. And my wife greatly laments dealing with mothers, even in churches. The mothers, just, the children are filthy. Their car seats are filthy. And their clothes are filthy. And their faces are filthy. And oftentimes, the mother herself is filthy. And my wife just grieves over that because we live in a day when washcloths are cheap and soap is cheap and water is free most places. 
They just don't care about their children. They don't care about the needs. And, and I can't take that bleeding heart stuff up on me. But I'm not going to leave a child in his, in his underwear walking the streets. I'm not going to leave a child freezing, the child without clothes. We're not just going to do that. He says, if I have done this, then let my arm fall from my shoulder blade and my arm be broken from the bone. And then I want to go back to 1 John. And I'm just going to kind of summarize this because John really is referencing some of these things here. And I believe very clearly he referenced it for what he says. He said, hereby perceive we the love of God, this is 1 John 3, 16, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And so in the context of laying down our lives for the brethren, this is what he says. But whoso hath this world's good, what is that? It's fleece, it's garments, it's coverings, it's food, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And it says compassion from him. That means there's a turning away, there's a drawing away, there's a shutting up with a withdrawal. He's taking away those bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? And so you see your brother have need and you shut up your bowels of compassion. What John is saying, how in the world can you tell people you love God? Job is saying, if I've neglected any of this, I wish my arm would just fall out of my socket. Break off my arm. That's what Job is saying. Yet today, Folks are just greedy and covetous, and they love gain, and they love their own prosperity. They love to be uh, rich. They love to have more riches. I recently saw an interview with a woman who's worth over $100 million, and she said two pieces of advice she would give to people. One, money does not make you happy. And then she said this. She said money actually complicates things far worse. And she said instead of somebody borrowing $5, she gets calls all the time from friends wanting to borrow $10,000, $15,000. Her children... You have to consider the the will and the estates and the trust and the lawyers and all of those things. You're sued constantly because you have money. And you spend thousands, if not tens of thousands a year in legal fees. Money complicates things. But the problem is, is we love money. And that love of money is the root of all evil. We'll let children starve to death. Why? Because we love money. We'll see the brethren have a need and we'll shut up our bowels of compassion. Now, I realize we can justify that. Who do they think they are? Well, if they had better money finances, if they had better this. And I remember one time that I had spoke of helping a lady. It was such a small thing. I wouldn't dare speak of it on here. It was just a minor thing. But somebody had caught wind that we'd help. And they said, well, that person's a leech. And I said, well, leeches every once in a while need to eat. It doesn't matter if they're a leech or not. Every once in a while they need some food. But see, we've shut up our bowels of compassion. We're so plagued with this in America, we just shut up our bowels of compassion. Churches are plagued with it. There are people come join the church for two or three months, milk that church dry, everything they can get, and go on to the next church. They are spiritual leeches. There are people that take everything, and there are people that will pour mouth. And beg. I was in the church service, and a lady is, is talking about how she can't afford her glasses, and she has special optics, and, and she has this special prism she has to have. And, and pastor, just pray, please pray. I just don't have the money for my glasses. And and so the pastor immediately said, well, church, we're going to take up an offering, help this lady with her glasses. And I was sitting there in the service. And I didn't know the situation. I gave, and you know, not much. I was pretty broke, probably. And and, and others gave. And the pastor get up there, and, and she had told the church her glasses were like $430. And I think $110 came in. And later on, I asked the pastor. I said, well, that wasn't much help. He said, oh, she does this all the time. People just kind of used to it. But when you see a need. When you see a genuine need, and by the way, if there are glasses on somebody's face, new glasses are probably not a genuine need. But you see them have need, and you shut up your bowels of compassion. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Why? Because you have this world's good. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed 
and in truth. And that's what Job is speaking of. He's not just going to love in deed. He's going to love in truth. He's going to love them by helping. He's going to do what he can. And Job was a great man. No doubt he helped many people. No doubt he saw the fatherless and helped them. George Miller, of course, is the, the great example of a man helping the fatherless. And he was a great example. But not only that, a lot of people don't realize most of the women that worked in that orphanage were widows. He found a way to employ them. One of the things I, in some of the plain people's culture and society, uh, I was in a shop one day. There's a lady probably in her 70s sanding a chair. And I realized she was probably a widow lady. And uh, she came in and this, this woodworker had hired her. And she sat there all day with a respirator mask. And uh, she had shoulders wider than mine. And she sat there and sanded chairs all day long, trying to be a help. And he was able to gainfully employ her. That's what Miller did. Robert Miller took all those children, those orphans in, uh, took in those widow women to raise those orphans. He met the need. And what a, what a wonderful thing that is. That's what Job is speaking of. That's what Job has done. That Job is using that to justify some of his being. We'll talk about that next on the podcast. But we also see the lesson is for us. And so you have to discern what the need is. And if God has pricked your heart about that need, how dare you? How dare you say you love God and you shut up your bowels of compassion? You're thinking about those new things you want to buy, that, that savings account, that 401k, all of those things. How dwelleth the love of Christ in you? I pray that this is a help. Have a great weekend. Lord will we'll be back on here on Monday. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.